0: Good morning, I feel like this side of the room, you guys are (laughs) a little lonely over there, but it's lovely to, I'm I'm not going to ignore you, but I might, you know, put myself that way a little bit there. Well, I hope you all did enjoy your slightly shorter week. You know, I did feel a little bit ripped off by the weather we got on the Monday. We tried to go for a, a family picnic, uh, and it was cold, and it was very windy, um, and we had uh, sandwiches with a good helping of dust from the, uh, the wind that <laughs> kind of kicked up. But it is lovely uh, to have you here, and if you did manage to sneak away, I know a few people managed to, you know, go away for a wee holiday, then welcome back. Um, thanks for coming back. Um, I know I'm sometimes I'm tempted, oh, I could make that holiday a few weeks longer, couldn't I? But... Now, this morning, I, I wonder if uh, you have ever gone uh, to do something, but you didn't fully commit, uh, or you hesitated a little too much, and then maybe regretted that hesitation or that you know, lack of commitment, because it kind of caused a bit of, a bit of issues. Um, I remember when uh, uh, my dad was teaching me how to unhook a fish from a line. So my dad is a really keen fisherman, and we spent a lot of time growing up uh, on rocks or beaches, um, you know, trying to catch dinner, or if we were really keen and out there early, trying to catch breakfast. And one of the fish that we really love to catch is snapper. And, uh, you know, like, oh, just like fried with a little bit of butter, a little bit of salt, maybe a little bit of garlic, like, oh, that is just yum. But I don't know if you've ever handled a live snapper, uh, but they're kind of a little bit aggressive, and uh, those suckers have really sharp spines, like, and they like to kind of stick them out, uh, which makes them kind of tricky to handle. And I remember when I finally got big enough, uh, that dad expected me to start doing everything for myself. You know, I had to set my own line, choose my hooks, put them on. I had to bait my own hooks, which, you know, I was a bit sad the day that he decided I was big enough to chop and like handle that and stick it on myself. (laughs) And I also had to remove my own catch because although dad loved fishing with his kids, he actually liked fishing himself also. And when you've got four kids, if all of them are expecting you to bait each hook and remove each fish, there's not a lot of time left for yourself. So he decided that, you know, it was time that we started pulling our own weight. And you see, the trick that he talked to us about and taught us was that you had to go in with no hesitation, fully commit. You know, you have to go straight in with a firm hand. You have to start at the head, so you've got a slight downwards motion to make sure you're pulling the spines the right direction. Uh, and then you have to slide to the middle of the fish, hold tight, and then you can remove the hook with your other with your other hand. Well, one of the first times that you know he had decided I was old enough, I caught myself a snapper, and he said, "Off you go." I was like, I was like, just commit, you can do it, don't go half-hearted, you know, it'll have time to get you with its spines. So I took a deep breath, and just as I was about to go for it, it kind of flopped, and I hesitated, and what would you know, a bloody finger later, and my dad took the fish off the hook for me, and said, we'll try again later, (laughs) and uh, I had a slight fear of snapper. But there you go, I did learn, and I did uh, successfully get it some other times, But you see, there are some things in life that require full commitment if they're going to actually work. Um, Some of you may not know that I uh, am actually also a qualified gymnastics coach. Um, Gymnastics is one of my other passions. And when I lived in Nelson, I coached uh, both recreational and competitive gymnasts. And in a gymnastics context, uh, we talk about that if you aren't ready to actually go for a skill and fully commit to it, Uh, That's when it actually gets dangerous. That's when you're most likely to get hurt. So if you're not actually going to try fully for something, you're better not to attempt it at all. And I've kind of been thinking about this uh, a lot, this idea of commitment and hesitation recently, and particularly how that might look in context to what we've been talking about at the moment here at church. You know, Last week, Ange brought a powerful word about throwing off our grave clothes, how we've been raised to life through Jesus, but many of us may still be going around living with our grave clothes still on and not actually stepping into the full freedom which God has intended for us to live in. You know, prior to that, we've been talking about the building season that we 've been in, you know, building team, building family and building buildings, which on that note, uh, you may have seen that we've had some exciting progress out there. We now have a crane pad, which is ready to lift those uh, buildings on, so you can go have a nosy after church, but also um, please do continue praying that we'll get those um, up and running really quickly. Uh, but as I've kind of thought about um, all of this. You know, I've, I've also uh, started to wonder if maybe I'm a bit guilty of being a bit half-hearted when it comes to following where Jesus has called me sometimes. You know, and there's a, a challenging wee piece of scripture found in Luke chapter 9, uh, starting at verse 57, which is called The Cost of Following Jesus. It says this, it says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, it's Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, "'Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head.' He said to another man, "'Follow me.' But he replied, "'Lord, first let me go and bury my father.' Jesus said to him, "'Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God.' Still another said, "'I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family.'" Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now it's easy to, to read this and think, man, like Jesus is a bit harsh. <laughs> you know, like his responses seem a little bit cold uh, in the face of what seem to be some pretty legitimate excuses. And here's the thing: we we all have excuses, you know, some good, some bad. You know, they're representing the choices that we make by justifying the reasons behind our actions, behind what we've chose. Uh, And I've been challenged recently about some of the excuses that I might be making. I think sometimes without even realizing, because I don't know about you, but I can be pretty good at justifying uh, my actions. So if we go and have a look at that scripture again. because it's, it's what Jesus is looking at behind the justifications uh, which the people were giving, which gives us a better insight. You know, the first guy, he doesn't even really give an excuse. He just says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And uh, I think probably some of us have spoken those same words. You know, I have declared, uh, we didn't sing it today, but you know, we've got that song we've been singing recently, you know, send me, I'll go anywhere. You know, I've had those moments with God where I'm saying, send me, I'll go wherever you want, I'll go, you know, proclaiming my willingness to fulfill that great commission. You know, but but is it actually completely true? You know, Jesus says to the man, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. You know, when push comes to shove, are we actually willing to relinquish control of our personal resources if God asks us to? In other words, you know, how tight a grip are we holding onto our bank accounts? Uh, How comfortable is our standard of living? You know, do we seek opportunities each day to give generously and to serve others? Or do we kind of set things up a little bit for our benefit at the expense of others? You know, Jesus go out and, you know, proclaim this willingness to follow Jesus wherever we go, you know, we're also wise to actually count the cost of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, you know, and uh, when we compare that to the price that Jesus paid on the cross for our sins, you know, then we can uh, start to realize the priceless gift that we've been given for no reason except for love, there's a, a book that is written by um, Kyle Eidelman, which I read during a, a year of discipleship training that I went on in my early 20s, and it had a really big impact on me, and it's called "Not a Fan." And the premise of the book is that Jesus is interested is not interested sorry, in fans, but in followers, and it explores what the difference is between being a fan of something and being a follower. And in it, he says that the biggest threat to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all of the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. You know, in other words, they're, they're genuine in their belief of Jesus. It's, it's not that they don't believe, you know, but there's something that's holding them back. They aren't actually prepared to fully commit and it's something that I've been coming back to time and time again to ask myself, you know, at times, am, am I being a fan of Jesus? Do I show up all hyped, you know, wearing the, the team colors, as it were, you know, and uh, join in the songs and listen to the teaching? And, and I want to be close to Jesus because I know of all of the, the awesome benefits there are there, but without anything actually being required of me. You know, and sometimes I think I find myself in that space where uh, I love the benefits of Jesus, but I don't know if I'm actually prepared to count the cost of what that might mean. Uh, The second account we find uh, in that passage in Luke uh, tells of someone who Jesus calls and says, follow me. And he gets the response, first, let me go bury my father. Uh, And a When I was younger, when I used to read this, I was like, that is so unreasonable. Like, it's probably only going to be like two, three days for the funeral. I'm like, surely, Jesus. Some, a little bit of context then for anyone else who, who might have thought that as well, uh, what they believe that he's actually saying is that he is going to wait for his father to die. And his father might not actually be sick. It was the, the son's responsibility to obviously look after the parents. Uh, and so there's no time frame given. So it's not just that he wanted to go and bury his father because his father has just died. It's that um, he wants to, to wait and, and see that whole process through. Uh, And, you know, that is actually a a, a biblical responsibility reserved for those. And so we kind of go, well, how could Jesus, you know, tell somebody off or rebuke somebody who prioritizes family obligations, you know, because we are called to love, protect, serve and provide for our families. Um, We we know that. Um, But it's not that uh, Jesus doesn't want us to do that. But actually what he's doing is, is he's challenging us to sift through, you know, the layers of our hearts in order to uncover um, uh, what it is that is actually at the center. You know, in, in no way is Jesus contradicting biblical obligations regarding family. But if our family becomes an idol and our hearts drawing us away from loving God first and foremost, then we need to address our priorities. You know, God must always come before our spouses and our children. You know, this is why when Jesus was confronted with the question of where our, you know, heart's allegiance must be prioritized, he said in Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the, uh, the first and the greatest commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, so Jesus wasn't trying to be uh, insensitive to this person's desire to go and to to bury their father. But uh, like I said, there's no timetable regarding uh, his reasoning either. You know, prolonging or putting off a decision to follow Christ actually assumes that we will have life and breath in the future to make a decision. You know, in many ways, it it actually exposes a bit of our arrogance to presume that we can predict the future, that I won't follow you right now, but I'll do that later. And it reveals what might be coming first in our hearts, eternally speaking. You know, priorities uh, can be pretty complicated, because many of us do assume that our family comes first, and hear me, we love family here. Family is so important. You know, But we have to realize that placing anything or anyone before God will always become a wedge in our faith if we allow it. The final follower I uh, talked about in Luke uh, presents a, a, a different angle um, regarding excuses. And I wonder if it's one that we might uh, struggle with uh, a lot and not really realize it. Um, because it's to do with whose voice is taking precedence uh, in our decision-making. You know, because the request, it seems reasonable. I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. You know, so it it seems like this man's, you know, his commitment is firm. He's going to follow Jesus. He just needs a few moments to go back to his family and his friends to say goodbye to them. You know, and uh, I think uh, potentially what Jesus is actually Confronting is this man 's hesitation you know in prioritizing his command, you know it, possibly Jesus knows that the more time that uh, this man has um, sort of essentially to reconsider his decision, the more likely he will abandon his decision altogether due to the influence of those around him who might not share his beliefs or understand his rationale or approve of his decision you know because if we if we think of it logically. What is the likelihood that the man's father and wife or mother and children don't try and talk him out of leaving? Or at least challenge his decision uh, in order to, to kind of make him reconsider? You know, that Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So the thing about plowing is that it is virtually impossible to plow a straight row, which is what you're aiming for. It's the most efficient way to do it, while looking backwards, because the plow has to be aligned with a target in focus to remain in track. And if you lose sight of that, the chances are you're going to go all over the place. You know, and the likelihood that we might be tempted to compromise our commitment to Jesus if those we love don't support or approve our decision is, is probable, you know? So, you know, again, Jesus is is not condemning family priorities or commitments. Rather, he's challenging our priorities if we allow anyone or anything to come before our commitment to love and serve him. You know, it's it's a matter of trust. We need to decide whose voice it is that we prioritize the most to fulfill our needs. What Jesus is saying through these examples is not that we need to abandon our families, you know, but it is a reminder that there is a cost to following Jesus. You know, and it's going to require full commitment on our part. We can't have divided loyalties. We need to not we need to trust not in ourselves or our possessions or what we can do and our skills or our family and friends, but we need to put our trust wholly in God. You know, like Andrew was sharing last week, we may need to actually start really believing all the things that we say we believe about how Jesus is our savior, about how God is faithful and will meet all of our needs, how we can have full freedom through the redemption of sins. Uh, the people of Israel, they, they struggled with this as well. You know, I'm, I'm sure many of you might be familiar with the story of Moses and how he led people out of Israel. Um, sorry, led the people of Israel out of slavery uh, in Egypt. You know, God showed up in powerful and mighty ways to rescue his people there. You know, he led them uh, through the Red Sea. There was plagues. There was all these signs and wonders. And uh, uh, as they went through, they were then to be led to the promised land. You know, so so what happened was uh, Moses sent out some spies to go and scout the land that they were then going to, you know, it was promised that they would take possession of. But only Joshua and Caleb out of the 12 that were sent felt that the inhabitants of Canaan could actually be conquered as the Lord had promised. You know, the remaining uh, spies, they spread fear and unbelief throughout the camp to the point that actually people considered returning to Egypt and to their enslavement rather than trusting the Lord, despite what they had just witnessed and seen. You know, the countless miracles that God performed on their behalf for their survival. It says in Numbers 14, 2-4, And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. You know, in a time where where their faith was needed the most, Israel hesitated under the weight of uncertainty and fear rather than embrace the freedom that God provides to those who trust in his name. You know, and because of that, the entire generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, never got to live in that promised land, never got to step into the land uh, where they would be able to be free and to prosper and thrive that God had promised, where God had been leading them. And as I think about all of this again, you know, I come back and I have to ask myself, am I actually living as a committed follower of Jesus? Because I don't want to miss out on all that he has promised is in store for me or he has prepared for me. You know, that sounds like a far more dangerous way to live, to not uh, commit and step into all that God has planned for me, rather than, you know, giving into the fear of of what might look like a scary situation from a worldly perspective. You know, I want to step in to the freedom available through Jesus's sacrifice on the cross. I think that passage in Luke, uh, which we looked at, you know, Jesus does us a favor uh, by not painting a misleading picture of what true Christianity looks like. You know, in in our faith journeys, it's going to require dying to self. It's going to, you know, we're going to need to serve and forgive others. There might be persecution and even ridicule that we're going to have to endure. But we know the eternal benefits outweigh all of this and the temporary fears and risks and personal sacrifices. You know, what we have eternally is, is far greater. And as a church, we talk about, you know, keeping Jesus at the center You know, like the analogy of the plow Jesus used, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus to ensure that we don't veer off course and that we're able to step into all God has planned for us. You know, and I don't want to be caught hesitating or suffer the consequences of being half-hearted in it. In the book I mentioned earlier, Not a Fan, one of my favorite quotes is, fans mistake knowledge of Jesus for intimacy with Jesus mistake, knowledge of Jesus for intimacy with Jesus. And I I think this is the key. You know, in order to be able to see the big picture, to have the endurance required to make it through, to keep a right perspective and the courage to step out when called, it has to be all about Jesus and not just a head knowledge, but a deep intimacy uh, with him. Ben, can I get you guys to come back up? You know, so this morning, uh, I want to invite you, we want to open up some space for you to spend some time with God. You know, maybe ask the Holy Spirit to reveal if there are some things which are holding back, uh, which you are holding on to which are holding you back from being able to follow Jesus into complete freedom. You know, maybe you have some priorities which are actually not quite in the right order. You know, maybe there are some material possessions or resources which you're holding onto a bit tightly, and that's causing you to maybe veer off course a bit. You know, maybe there are some areas of your life where Jesus has requested some access, where He wants to bring some specific healing or freedom, uh, but you've you've justified why He can't do that right now, or why you need to sort of hold those back. Or maybe you're feeling like, you know, maybe you you've been guilty of being a bit of a fan trying to get all the benefits, uh, but not actually being prepared to follow. And maybe you think, you know, now might be the time where you might be ready to, to step out and actually say, God, I will follow you. I have counted the cost and I will go where you call. You know, perhaps this morning you could invite the Holy Spirit again or or for the first time to reveal more of of who God is, you know, to start building uh, some of the intimacy that is not just head knowledge of who God is and what He's done, but that real intimacy in your heart where you are, um, you know, able to uh, commune with the Holy Spirit, where you're able to sit in God's presence, where you're able to uh, hear more of who He is and and what He would like to do with you in your life and the impact He would like to have there. So I invite you to do that this morning, you know, this isn't uh, designed to, you know, Uh, be a challenge, you know, to to try and say, oh, you know, I don't think you guys are committed followers. Not at all. This is just something that uh, recently, you know, God is saying to me, let me in. Let me start sifting through some of these things with you. And, you know, if he's doing it for me, there's a chance he might be doing that with some of you as well. And so we'd just love to give you this opportunity this morning. You know, don't miss out on all of the freedom and the hope that there is found in Jesus. You know, don't go through just hesitating and stepping back God is faithful, we can trust Him, He is good. You know, allow yourself to, to believe that, not just with your head, but with your heart as well. And so I, I do, I encourage you this morning to spend some time, you know, listen to the Holy Spirit, see where it is that He is leading you. Um, ask for fresh revelation, ask if there are things that are happening in your life at the moment that maybe need a wee bit of a, an adjustment. So um, this space is for you to be able to do that. If you do uh, want prayer for anything, if you'd like somebody to stand alongside you um, and pray for anything um, about specific healing or whatever it is, then please do. Um, you can come forward now or at the end of the service. Um, there's people up here who would love to do that for you as well. But otherwise, I invite you to stand if you're able. I'm um, just going to pray for us, and then we're going to go into a time of worship. But I'm so thankful that, uh, you don't just want a, a distant, uh, acquaintance relationship with us, Lord, but that you love each and every person in here deeply and your desire is that they would walk in intimacy with you. Uh, Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that, uh, people would be able to hear your voice this morning, Lord, that, uh, you would examine us, Lord, that, um, as we say that we want to follow you uh, lord that you would help that to be uh, true lord in the deepest parts of us lord that anything that is holding us back that you would uh, help us to release that um, lord that you would bring freedom that you would bring healing that you would bring um, illumination to areas that may be um, still uh, a little bit in the darkness lord that uh, yeah, by the, by the power of your spirit that there would be freedom in this place this morning because of what Jesus has done because we are able to stand uh, in the redemption that was bought for us on the cross and so Lord we again we, we say we want to follow you we want to commit um, and Lord we just ask that you would uh, help us with that Amen